Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Tracy Koga, and thanks for downloading this podcast from iLikeYou.com. If you can, give us a follow or subscribe. And remember that all the information about the guests in today's episode can be found at iLikeYou.com. Now, let's get started. I'm Tracy Koga with something short and fun. This is a Hugh Soundbite. Hello, Dr. Joss Reimer. Thank you so much for taking time and welcome to Hugh at Home. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) In this day of virtual. um, And just before my intro to you, uh, it was almost uh, like living a real life movie, I think, for you a little bit. Uh, These last, I don't know, months that we've been living. Um, no, nobody could have predicted this, and I guess my first question to you, Dr. Reimer, is I guess your own personal journey on how you've become to be the medical lead for Manitoba's Vaccine Implementation Task Force. That's a mouthful of a title, too. <laughs> I know, isn't it? Uh, you know, I, I, like you, really didn't have predict this and certainly didn't know that I was going to end up... Sorry, having a computer issue there. Apologize. That's all right. I uh, certainly didn't uh, predict that I would be in the role that I am. So this was all quite unexpected. I mean, thankfully, public health docs, as part of our training, we do uh, mm-hmm. emergency preparedness, and part of that is pandemic preparedness. So you know, we never hope that we have to use those skills, uh, but I think all of us do feel that we've been trained well to respond in this situation. Um, but my journey, I guess I don't know where, where you want me to start, how far back we're talking here, but um, you know, I started off in obstetrics and gynecology and mm-hmm. switched into public health uh, because I really wanted uh, to be able to prevent a lot of the things that I kept seeing over and over again in, in the clinic, in the hospital, um, and, and wanted to be able to, to make the world a better place, and, and public health seemed like a great way to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so throughout uh, my training, I was really inspired by all of the, the medical officers of health that I work with. Um, vaccines are part of our bread and butter in public health. So spent a lot of time learning about vaccines and vaccine rollout. Um, and since I've been working as a medical officer, I, I've become the, the medical director of public health for Winnipeg. Uh, and I think it's probably uh, around that leadership role that uh, brought me into the, the forefront of uh, the, the selection for leading this incredibly uh, important and massive uh, vaccine rollout campaign that we're doing. Oh, and I mean, and it changes constantly, uh, probably. Uh, Am I correct, uh, Dr. Reimer, too? And, um, you know, the types of vaccines, you know, and all the information out there. Let's talk a little bit now about the vaccines. Um, 
all of the ones that are out there, and I guess maybe dispel any of the myths, and obviously, you know, you've seen that and heard that, whether in the news or in social media, and, and how much has social media been a hindrance or a help in all of this? Yeah, I mean, social media can be both helpful and harmful, depending on, on where people are getting their information from. Um, and so we do try to use social media to reach people because there's there's many people who are not watching the, the press conferences uh, and who don't maybe read the newspaper regularly. So we do need to, to use multiple mechanisms. Um, but I, I agree, there's a lot of myths out there. Um, you know, some of the things that we hear often um, are fears that, the vaccines can change your DNA, which they absolutely cannot do. Um, I wonder, I mean, it might be helpful if I explain how they mm -hmm. do work so that people can see that they can't do that. Um, so normally, when you have uh, an infection with a virus, the virus enters your body and the proteins on the outside of the virus get recognized as foreign by your immune system. And so your body starts to create this army of antibodies that can recognize that protein. So if it ever comes again, they're ready and can fight it off right away. And most vaccines work the same way by either introducing a, a weak or a dead form of the virus, or even they chop it up and just give you a piece of the virus, which is the protein. Uh, and then the immune system still sees that as foreign and builds up that army. But these vaccines work a little differently and they're really smart new technology where what they do is they send in what's called messenger RNA, which is like a, almost a recipe card or instructions. And those get sent into your body, they go into your cells and the, your cell reads it and starts to produce those proteins itself so that it, the proteins that are made in your cell then get recognized as foreign by your immune system. So we're not actually injecting any part of the real virus at all. It's just that little instruction sheet that teaches your cell how to make those proteins temporarily so that we can trigger that whole immune response. So it's really interesting, but because it has the term RNA in it, people get worried that it's gonna impact their DNA. And it doesn't go anywhere near your DNA at all. It's just that little recipe card that your cell can read and then create a factory to make more proteins. Uh, and that recipe card gets broken down quite quickly. So this is a temporary thing, just long enough that your immune system can create that army so that if the virus ever does show up, uh, the proteins on the virus are, are the same as the ones that your cell made. And so your immune system goes like, ah, I've seen those before and is ready to fight it. Interesting. So then why do you need two shots? So the second shot's really helpful because it boosts the immune system. It's like a, a reminder and helps your body go, yeah, no, I do recognize this. And it can build an even stronger army the second time it gets exposed to the virus. Um, and we also know that these boosters, these second shots, tend to help the immune system to last longer as far as its ability to fight. So, you know, as time goes by, maybe the immune system doesn't remember quite as much, that army gets smaller. And then when we boost with a second dose, it's like a reminder that, no, this is a real thing that you need to be ready for. And it gives that additional um, stress on your immune system to, to remain immune to that virus for a longer period of time. Wow. That, I mean, this is so good to know and so much more reassuring. And actually, I just want to add that right after this interview, I am going for my vaccination, my first oh, shot. Congratulations. <laughs> so, yes, I'm, and I'm getting the Pfizer one. Um, 
Okay, so let's go now to this whole uh, conversation and conflict of people not wanting the vaccine. When you have just explained this all, and it makes it very clear that we should all be vaccinated. Yeah, and obviously, you know, I've had the chance to be trained for many years on how to read the scientific literature. And so, you know, I feel so confident in the benefits of this vaccine to save lives, to prevent them from ending up in the hospital, and to get us back to whatever our new normal mm -hmm. will be. Um, but people don't have that same opportunity. I mean, they, they're not going to go to school for 13 years to, to try to get to that. And people really are making what they believe are the best choices for their own health. Nobody's refusing the vaccine because they don't want what's best for themselves or their family. And so it's really important that when we're talking to people who are hesitant, that we're approaching it with that understanding and, and empathy that all of us want what's best. And so I just want to give people the tools that they need to feel confident in the vaccine, because I know that they want what's best for themselves and their families and their communities. And so we need to work really hard uh, as public health to make sure people do feel confident that this is what's best for mm -hmm. them and for their families and their communities. Um, because we've had that opportunity to look at all of that science and, and we just wanna be able to share it in a way that makes sense to the public so they also can have that confidence. Yeah, now I'm through all of this, uh, Dr. Reimer, what has surprised you most about the disease itself, about COVID, and then also human nature? I mean, you know, especially right now what's happening, you know, people don't want restrictions, they don't want to wear a mask, they don't want the vaccine. Probably, I mean, obviously you're prepared for this too as well. Yeah, I mean, about the disease itself, I think the biggest surprises were the fact that children were so low risk mm -hmm. um, because usually when it's flu season or cold season uh, <laughs> that your your kid who's in daycare that's the, the highest yeah. risk person that can give you a cold for sure um so we didn't expect that kids would be less likely to get infected and less likely to transmit to others so that's been a really pleasant surprise that mm -hmm. that they're so much less likely especially because a lot of them can't follow public health guidance um, you, know, you can't ask a toddler to wear a mask. They, they can't do it. Um, so that's been wonderful, but certainly a surprise. Likewise, people who are immunocompromised haven't been experiencing very severe health outcomes related to COVID like they do for other viruses. So that was also a pleasant surprise. Um, but this, I mean, however many people were experiencing the severe outcomes was the less pleasant surprise. I mean, we've obviously seen people in hospital. We've seen the, the scary stories from other countries where their systems were overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's, it's been a lot of stressful new information, um, even if there were some of those uh, glimmers of hope with some of the folks that we thought would be impacted and weren't, at least not as much as we would have expected. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, looking at uh, how people respond, um, you know, we know that there's always a huge variety of perspectives on how we should work together as a community and, and what's most important. So I don't think it was a surprise that we saw that here as well. Um, we get regular um, contact from many people in the public pushing on all sides of the restrictions. And anyway, my email is full of people saying you need to shut down and full of people saying, you know, you need to let me open my business. And so it's, 
these are really challenging decisions where it weighs very heavily on public health to have to make those really difficult decisions about potentially impacting someone's livelihood mm -hmm. in order to save someone's life. And th these are not easy. And I know Dr. Lucen uh, takes it very seriously every time he has to make a, a new rule. Well, Mike, I can imagine for both you and Dr. Rusin. So maybe personally, Dr. Reimer, how have you coped through all of this? Uh, you know, I mean, we, we know that mental health issues are in the forefront, uh, but for you being right there and, and making dis hard decisions, like you said, um, how have you coped through this? Yeah, I mean, this has certainly been one of the hardest, uh, well, probably the hardest part of the, my career I've ever uh, faced. Um, and I'm so thankful to have such a supportive team that I work with, uh, the other medical officers of health, the public health nurses, the managers, like all of them working so incredibly hard and providing that support, support to each other is, is what helps you get through the day. Uh, and certainly support from my family as well, being able to, to come home and relax with people who love and support you is, is something that I, I um, can't value greatly enough. Um, and then I, just for my own uh, clarity of mind, try to stay as physically active as I can. There's not a lot of free time in this job, but uh, trying to get out for early morning runs and bike rides or late night, uh, get like, out with the dog as much as I possibly can, uh, helps me clear my mind a little bit and get ready for the next day. Oh my goodness, and do you have to wear a disguise when you go out now, so people don't recognize you and start uh, bombarding you with questions? Yeah, I mean, so that was one of the, the <laughs> least expected parts of my whole life was to be recognized <laughs> while I was out for a ride. So that has happened, but uh, I never would have thought that would be my new life. Uh, well, and looking at uh, what you were before, you mentioned working with public health and because you cared and wanted to make a difference. Um, this COVID-19 and the pandemic really has opened everybody's eyes to the discrepancies um, to the people that have and the people that have not, um, you know, whether it's to be able to self-isolate or they live in a communal home or whether they don't have internet or all of these things that have sort of come into play. What changes do you think will happen to our public health system once we get into some sort of new normal? Yeah, I mean, what you, you really point out uh, something that uh, sometimes gets overlooked because we'll talk about how we're all in this together, but mm -hmm. really the experiences that people have are, are so different uh, and we're not all going through the same pandemic together. So, you know, it's, I would never complain about my experience uh, in this pandemic. It's been a lot of hard work, but I have job security, I have health. Um, and so I'm not facing the same stresses that people who have lost their jobs people who can't take time off if they're a close contact and so have to struggle with following a public health order or losing income that they need in order to feed their family that week. Um, and so it's, it is really different for different people what they're experiencing. Um, people are losing loved ones. Uh, and, you know, I've had family members be infected, but not, my family members have not uh, become so severely ill that we've had to deal with that in my immediate family. And so you know, it's, it's not the same pandemic for all of us. And public health, um, we're going to have to do a lot of work coming out of this to try to support the people who were so greatly impacted uh, negatively by a lot of both the infection and the transmission, but also by the, the public health measures that we used. 
Um, you know, they are a necessary tool to save lives, but they're not without harms themselves. Um, and so we're going to have to start to think about how do we support people who lost income, who lost family members, um, who got in trouble because they couldn't follow public health orders. You know, this is this is a lot of long-term work that we're going to need to do to support our communities. Yes. And then I guess moving forward, can you give us a guesstimate mm -hmm. on what hopefully our new normal will be? Well, I mean, uh, one of the, the things we're starting to see that's really encouraging is that uh, since we've been 18 plus for vaccine eligibility in the north, mm -hmm. we're already seeing the numbers come down. The rest of the province is going up in this third wave, but northern Manitoba is not. And so that's so exciting to see that the vaccines you know, are starting to move us in the right direction. Um, and so once we get a lot of Manitobans immunized, we'll be able to start moving back on some of those public health orders and start getting to spend time face to face with our friends and families. Um, but it's not going to be just a sudden switch and, and back to, to pre-COVID. Uh, it's going to be a little while before we start having big uh, events and, and there's going to have to be conversations around how we can run those big events in the future. Um, I think one of the good things I hope that sticks from this pandemic is that people stay home when they're sick. It really, there was a lot of pressure at jobs to work even if you're sick. And I don't think that pressure is gonna exist the same way, uh, at least in the near future, that uh, people feel they have to go to work even when they're sick for most people. Um, and so, you know, I haven't had a cold since, you know, it's probably been a year now. Uh, and that's been wonderful to not have uh, had to have a cold. And so hopefully that's one of those things that becomes a new normal that we that we respect sick time and that we make sure that people have paid sick time uh, because we want to make sure that they can stay home when they're sick in a way that protects them and protects their families. Um, you know, I think masks aren't going to go away immediately um, and we'll, we'll have to figure out how those integrate into new society and maybe it'll be more like what we've seen in some Asian countries where people wear them when they're in close proximity or when they have uh, an illness um, as opposed to all the time. So lots of lots of things that might be different uh, and we'll have to wait and see exactly how all of this lands. Oh, well, it certainly has been, you know, definitely a, a, a learning experience both for personal and also as a, as a citizen. Um, for you, Dr. Reimer, I know we're not out of it yet, but what have you learned personally about yourself that you didn't know beforehand going into this? Oh, yeah, that's a tough question. It's hard to even take a moment to to self-reflect these days. <laughs> it's uh, so much of the go, go, go. Um, but I mean, I hope that um, I, I learned a bit about my own resiliency to be able to keep working. You know, mm -hmm. people have uh, very strong feelings about the actions that we do. And, and so to be able to keep working hard um, when people are not happy with some of the public health responses um, is something I've learned that I'm able to do, um, but also making sure that I'm hearing people and listening and, and learning from their experiences so that you know we, we weigh out uh, the perspectives that people in Manitoba have with all of these decisions as well. So yeah, I think um, I'm learning that I can't wait uh, to someday get to have a vacation again, but uh, I don't know what that'll be. <laughs> well, and I must say that your Spanish and your French 
are amazing. <laughs> You're the first person I've ever seen on a media conference that did all three languages. So I think that's another thing you've learned about yourself. <laughs> Yeah. Well, the uh, the French is for me even harder than the Spanish. So I've spent some time living in a few different countries where I uh, lived with families and learned the language from them. So I have to uh, really thank them for their patience when I was learning those languages. But uh, um, I really, uh, especially when I'm talking about topics like uh, barriers because of language access, I wanted to use every skill that I could to communicate with people as much as possible. Mm -hmm. uh, and if I can say it in Spanish, then why wouldn't I offer that? Because if it can reach one extra person who doesn't speak English or French, um, then I want to do that. So I um, really worked with uh, the communications team to find ways to integrate uh, the Spanish as well as the French. Because we know, especially as the temporary foreign workers are starting to arrive in Manitoba, mm -hmm. there's quite a few Spanish speakers who may not uh, speak a lot of English, but we still want to get them immunized. So. I want to reach those folks and hopefully the Spanish helps. Oh, definitely. Well, you know what? Thank you so much for spending this time with us, uh, Dr. Reimer. Uh, we're all behind you. We praise you and Dr. Rusin and all the work and your team are doing. And we know that we are protected. And you can go to the website protectmb.ca and book your appointment and find out all, you, all the information you need on the vaccines. Thank you so much, Dr. Reimer. Thank you so much for having me. This is great. For listening. This has been a production of ilikeq.com. Podcast distribution from the Sound Off Media Company. I'm Jeff Woods and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people he, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.